I feel like today's not going to be a good day for me. Maybe maybe we're sitting right here. I will. Okay. Yeah, click on this box. Oh, that's a click on the box. Okay. Whatever you want to make black or change it to click on the box. Yep. Yep. You can leave it. And give you this. Okay. And just go through all of them and do that. Yeah. It is very difficult when you're at home working on this to know what it's going to look like here on the screen. Okay.
So today we're going to have another little illustration. It does tie into God's glory. And I'm going to use this little container here to represent light. Alright? And it's a great container because it's M&M's. Alright? So, um, that's going to represent our life. And we put lots of things into our lives, right? We have lots of things that we do in the course of life. And so I have some things, and since it's Valentine's Day, I have all hearts here to represent different things in our lives. But here I have some tiny little hearts, and they represent kind of the smaller, less important things in our lives. Things we enjoy, and we spend a lot of time with, but maybe aren't as important. So maybe like sports, or music, TV, video games, our hobbies. Some of us, maybe the parents more than you guys, your hair or your clothes. Some of the things that aren't as important we spend a lot of time on. So we're going to put that in there. And then I have some other hearts here. They're a little bit bigger. Alright? And these things represent things that are in our lives that maybe are, have a little more importance and uh, need to be part of it. So that's the food that we eat and going to school is important. And the chores that mom and dad ask you to do are important. And maybe taking care of your pets are important. Oh, I got some head shakes on that one. Alright. But some, these are some things that are need to be part of our life too. And they're a little more important than those other things. And I have this little saran wrap here because in a moment I need to take everything back out. And I'm hoping this will let me do that. We'll see how it works out here in a moment. Alright. So, then we have the most important things, all right? And these are bigger hearts, and they represent things like, well, what you can't buy with money, your family, your health, your relationships with friends and others. Those are things that are really the most important, and maybe chocolate. <laughs> Anyways, we're going to put those in there. try this again and see if there's a way to make everything fit 
into our life. Okay, here comes the trick. That worked pretty well. Okay. That's it. So we have everything back where it was. Thank you. Back where it was. And we're going to start again. And this time we're going to put God in first. Okay? So if we put God in there, do you think all this other stuff is going to fit in that? You don't. Because it was cool, wasn't it? There wasn't any more room in there. Well, let's just try it and see what happens. So we've got God in there, and we've got our family, and our other relationships and things in there. And I didn't talk about it yet, but you know each one of you have a purpose in life. God made you for something specific. We're not all the same because we're not all supposed to do the same thing. And so he has something specific for you to do. And that's part of one of the most important things in your life is finding out what your purpose is. So we've got God in there and we've got those important things in there. Now we've got the other things like our job or our chores, our school, um, our food that we eat, so on. Those things that, that we need that aren't the top level. Now we've still got these things like music and video games and sports and hobbies and those things that, that we really enjoy, right? They're fun, but they're not the most important thing in our life. And we find that when we do things right, there is room for everything. There's room for God and everything else. And not only that, but there might even be room for a couple things we never even thought of that God has for us and wants us to have. And we do it when we do like the way he wants us to do life. That he makes everything fit the way it should. And we're going to share a verse to help you remember that. It is from Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Anybody know it? No? How about if I give you a start? The words we're going to see up there from the children's Bible are a little different. If I said seek first, what would you say? Heard it back there. Yeah. In, in the NIV, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. And the children's Bible says the thing you should want most is God's kingdom and doing what God wants. And then all these other things in life will be given to you as well. And maybe even some things that you never dreamed of. God wants to give to you. So I want you to remember that. When you look at Valentine's candy, you can remember. Put God first, and He's going to give you a lot more than you ever expect. All right? Thanks a lot. You can head on back, and uh, Warren is going to come and share our prayer time.
here in this grocery store. But we understand some of those concerns and things, and we respect that completely. Um, I'd like to pray a special blessing on you. Join me as we uh, come to the Father. Father, again, we thank you for this day, and thank you for your presence that is more real than we can even imagine. So we thank you that you have given our best interest at heart, and you care for us so deeply. Father, we thank you most of all for the salvation that comes through all that you have done. Today as we celebrate your death, your resurrection, and who you are even now at the right hand of the Father, I pray that you would grant to us a real spirit of praise and worship that comes right from our heart, that we would not take you for granted in any way, but we put you first as we've just seen uh, you're first in our lives, and all the other things are just additions. We thank you for all that you provide. We thank you for this body of believers, and we pray that you would take uh, everything that we give to you as an act of praise that you would take that and receive it through your praise and your glory. We lift up to you those that are not yet with us here. We pray that you would encourage and strengthen them, that you grant them um, just a blessed their lives in such a way that they would receive um, strength, courage, and all that they need to uh, enjoy your presence as well. Father, I pray that you would uh, just guide direct every part of our service, that we would uh, always give you the first praise. And we would take no glory to ourselves, but we would give you praise and honor and all things. We pray for those who are hurting among us. We thank you for those that uh, are going through hard places. We pray that you would encourage and strengthen them in their faith and their love for you. Now, Lord, we pray that you would just guide and direct every part of this service. We would ask your guidance and leadership and bring your word to us. May your name be praised, honored, and glorified. And we give you thanks in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, as I said earlier, it's good to be back together this week, and um, I certainly don't claim to, to know all of God's purposes, but I, I wonder if maybe he delayed us a week, because today's theme certainly goes with Valentine's Day, and we'll get to that in a moment, but uh, a couple of opening thoughts uh, as we begin today. Uh, what is the difference between a $20 bouquet of flowers and a $55 bouquet? <laughs> Susan and I were at the grocery store yesterday and the prices for some flowers were ridiculous. And as you go tomorrow, they'll be much more cheaper. Um, another thought. It seems a woman named Emma had a dream. And she woke up kind of startled and her husband Jim said, What's the matter, dear? What, what happened? She said, I just had a dream that you gave me a pearl necklace for Valentine's Day. What do you think that means? Kind of a twinkle in his eye, Jim said, You wait till tonight and you'll see. And so she waited all day, and a lot of times Jim came home that evening, and sure enough, Jim had a box and was wrapped and handed it to her, and she excitedly ripped open the paper and opened the box and looked inside, and there was a book entitled The Meaning of Things. <laughs> Not what she was expecting. Um, hopefully, wives you and husbands are getting what you expect or hope for Valentine's today. And Susan and I took some time Friday night to uh, beat the rush and then figure out. I'm not sure we beat the rush, but we were up waiting there and all that sort of thing. But we had a good time. And, uh, it's, a, it's a day marked to remember those that, that we know and, and for different people that just an encouragement to, to remember 
God is love, and when I experience love, I can help you give myself possible and find those things. We need to take time um, to be remembering that and appreciating that today. And every day. In case you've forgotten, just like the kids, it's been a couple of weeks since we've been together, and I want to quickly remind you of where we've been and what we're building and growing. And as you know, or hope you know, we're in a series called Casting Dog Theology. We're talking about um, different ways we can view who God is and who man is. And uh, in our previous lessons, we learned that cats have an incomplete theology. They have an understanding of some things, but they don't have it all quite right. And often tend to put man ahead of God, even though they don't intend to. When they miss things, um, when they just read scripture or overlook things. And sometimes they miss the true story of the Bible, which is, as we looked at the last time we were together, that the whole story of the Bible is about God drawing nations to Himself for His glory. And we look at scripture after scripture throughout the Old Testament, leading to the New familiar passages that we looked at that talked about the Israelites were given in a context that they were supposed to be drawing the nations to him. And that's what he wants. And so today, um, as we kind of continue in that theme, well, we kind of wrapped up last week by saying, or the last time we were together, by saying all of life is to be worshipped then. If God is as magnificent as he is and deserves our, our <coughs> Our worship and all of our life should be about him, following him, and, and worshiping him for who he is. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at how we can do that. How can we live a life of worship? What's that really look like? What's that really mean? And we have three different topics. And today's topic is delighting in God. And that's why I say I feel like it fits so well with Valentine's Day because we're going to be talking about what it means to delight. Word love, but I don't think that's strong enough. And so, to help us understand what is delight, and so the first thing that came to my mind as I was preparing is, is this. I don't know how many of you are familiar with, familiar with blueberry delight, but it's something that my mother makes and I enjoy immensely. It looks good, it smells good, it tastes good. For me, it's an enjoyable experience. Uh, it brings to mind words like relish. Savor. It's something that you want more of. Um, by the way, my wife kind of makes it too. It's not just my mom, but that's what it's called. But does that give you a picture of what delight is? When we start talking about words like relishing and savoring and enjoying, there, there's, there's just great joy in, in what it means to delight. And I have some definitions. As we often do, so we're on the right track. But delight is an interesting word. It can be both a noun and a verb. As a noun, it means a high degree of gratification or pleasure, extreme satisfaction, or it can be an item that gives you great pleasure. And then as a verb, it means to take great pleasure or to give keen enjoyment. And so we see that delight can involve both receiving great pleasure and giving great pleasure. And it's something that we can be to others. We can be a delight to others. It's something that we can do over others, specifically God. We can delight over God. And today we want to look at how we can go about doing that. And we said we're talking about cat and dog theology. And a cat might hear that and say, delighting God. How am I supposed to do that? How am I supposed to take delight in God that says nothing in life is important for him. We just did this little illustration with, with the young people, and we have all these things that we would like to have in our life that we enjoy in our life, and they're important to us. And doesn't God's word say we're not supposed to have those things? Well, not exactly. In front of us, we have Matthew 10, verses 38 to 37 or 38, I think that says. It says, If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being. For if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. And the 
Max would read that verse, you can back up for just a moment. Max would read that verse and say, doesn't that make all the joy out of life? If we're not supposed to enjoy our family, we're not supposed to, we're, we're supposed to take a cross, we're supposed to suffer every day. If that's what we're supposed to do, where's the joy in that? That doesn't seem very delightful. And they miss what the verses are really saying, because there's a verse that follows, and it can follow us now. It says, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. In other words, just like we illustrated with the young people here, when we don't put God first, when we don't do things in the right order, things he just doesn't fit. We did all those other things. I think we're happy, but we're missing the real point. And when we put God first, when we give up those things that we thought were then he works things out in such a way that we have great joy. We're amazed to find that, wow, God really is a delight. God really is an enjoyable experience. But first we have to give up all those other things that we're holding on to to find that out. And if we don't ever take that step, we'll never see God the way he wants us to see him. He asked that of Abraham, do you remember? He promised him for years that he would have a son. And it seemed like it dragged, drove on forever. And finally, they kind of took things into their own hands, and Sarah said, take my servant woman, and have a child with her, and they had Ishmael, and they had a son, but that wasn't God's plan. And he had to wait a little bit more, but finally Isaac comes, and he had a son, God had promised. He said that he would be a great nation through this day when God says, now I want you to take that son, your only son, and I want you to sacrifice him on me. And Abraham had a choice to make. Does God want to kill me? Does my son want to kill me? And I don't think God will ever physically come to any of us and say, hand over your child, or hand over this idea, hand over that idea. But God is saying, Give it up, you're going to find more than you ever expected. And that's what Abraham found. He took Isaac and killed him over. And just as he was about to carry out God's request, God said, Stop. That's not what I really want. Here's another sacrifice. And now that I know I'm yours and you're mine, here's everything I can sacrifice. And that's what God is Scripture tells us that our greatest joy will come when we bring God his greatest glory. Psalm 37, 4 says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's kind of where the theme word of this message comes from, is this, this verse. But can't we, can't we read that verse, and they love the second half. They say, yes, I'm going to get everything I want, all of my heart's desires. If I just follow God, I get this. And the purpose is at the wrong place. We're skipping the most important part. It says, take delight in the Lord. And then. And what we find is the desires of our heart change. God isn't saying if you do some rote obedience things and step all these steps, then you'll be prosperous and you'll have everything you ever wanted and you'll never be sick. That's not what this verse is saying. What it's saying is when you realize that you give up all everything else and cling to me, then I'm going to change the desires of your heart to match mine and give you more than you ever imagined. And just like the illustration here, not only did all the things that we wanted in our life get, but there were some beautiful, special things that God wants to give. And that's what this verse is saying. God promises when we realize that this is our source of he will fill us, make us satisfied. And what we find is that too often our desire to 
find this satisfaction, to find where joy isn't too strong, but it's too weak. And I have an illustration for that. Um, last Friday night, not uh, this past Friday, the night before, Susan and I were back in the Harrisburg area for a dentist appointment that I had, and we met some friends for dinner that evening to catch up. We went to a restaurant that we love called Montezuma's. And I have here a picture of their, their menu and the chips that they set before you. By the way, Montezuma's is one of our favorite Mexican restaurants. We're disappointed that they don't have one here. We told them we would we'll add one here. There's three or four of them back in front of my And uh, we really enjoy their food. But there's this thing where they bring you the chips before the meal. Before you can get your drinks or your order or anything, they flip through you just like the chips and salsa on the table, which, which is great. The chips are wonderful. The salsa is great. And what happens when you didn't eat the chips and the salsa? God, you look at the menu, God, you wait for your meal to come. And if you eat them all, what will they do? They'll bring you more. And you eat some more if, if you're really not being very good about watching what you're doing. And what happens when the meal comes? You don't want it because you're already full, let alone getting some dessert at the end. It's because you filled up on the appetite. And that's what I mean by saying that sometimes our desire to be filled isn't too strong, it's too weak. We settle for the appetite. And God wants to give us so much. And again, this is illustrated in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. It says, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. How foolish. We give up what gives us life, the spring of living water. And we try to dig a cistern and fill it with things that we think will make us full. And it says there's cracks in it and it just runs out. We can't hold anything, but we keep trying. We keep, and we lead these lives where we're all about trying to fill this emptiness inside. This desire to be fulfilled. And what do we do? What, what are the things that we enjoy? Our spouse? Our work? God's nature, hunting and fishing, camping, music, food, specifically chocolate, desserts, breads, sports. None of those things are possible without God. And what they should do is cause us to turn to God and give thanks and recognize who he is. And instead, we make them the appetizer and we fill up on them instead of returning to the well, to the spring. And what happens is we end up being empty and frustrated. We've worked so hard. We've gone through so many motions trying to fill that emptiness that we end up being empty and frustrated because all our efforts aren't in the right direction. And that leads us to the verse that we share with the young people. See, first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. God promises when we delight in him, when we figure out that he's not an appetizer, he's the main man. He's, he's the dessert to everything in life. When we figure out that's who he is, then that's what we need. Then he blesses us with so much more. We were talking about a well a moment ago, about a spring. What God is asking us to do is return to that spring. Jesus illustrated this when he was talking to the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Jesus told the woman there, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. If they drinks the water that I give them, they'll never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to Jesus and God are 
They are the thing that makes us whole, complete, satisfied beyond our greatest imagination. It's not an easy thing to lay in God. It takes perseverance because there are a lot of distractions. All those other things in the jar take our focus at times. So it takes perseverance. And if you would, we're going to turn to Proverbs chapter 2 and look at a few verses together. I found while we were turning to Proverbs 2, I found this statement this week. It says, If I've done FedEx our satisfaction, he wants to know how bad he wants it. If I doesn't give an overnight Filling the satisfaction. He wants us to work for it. Proverbs 2 helps us see this. The first five verses. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, and if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. He's telling us, if you really want to know me, you need to look for me like you would a treasure. Because I'm even more valuable than a treasure. And when you do that, then I'm going to show you who I am. And I know that Abraham is the something else that I give, when your heart is with me, not the things I give, then I'm going to let you know who I really am, and bring you fulfillment, bring you understanding, and that's what God wants to do in our lives. In a moment, we talk about those things that bring us joy. How hard did you work to get your spouse? How hard did you work to get your home? Your car? How hard do you work with your hobbies? Well, some of us would answer we invested a bit of time because they were important to us, correct? Then what makes us think that the most valuable thing in the world shouldn't take any effort? It should just come easy. I don't have to do anything. I asked Jesus into my life, I should just automatically be as connected to him as possible. No, God says it takes work. Because he's worth it. Because he's valuable. How will it work with your spouse? If you work as hard with him as you work with God. We don't need anything. Another phrase I saw this week it says we worship our work, well hacks worship their work, work at their play, and they play at their worship. We get things all misconstrued, priorities out of shape. And God and worshiping him should be the most important. Instead of that FedEx delivery that we want, that immediate thing, we need a UPS delivery. An unrelenting, patient approach for who God is and what he wants to do in our lives. Psalm 27, 4. With David speaking, David is described as a man after God's own heart. One who delighted. God, with pleasure in God. It says, the one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek the most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfection and meditating in his temple. David understood if I want to delight in God, I need to make him my main priority, and I need to put effort into searching. 
God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him instead of things. We're going to look at one more passage. Psalm 63, if you want to turn there with me. Again, we're going to look at the first five verses. But again, this is, this is David. It says, O oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of food. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. And there's that picture again. David says, I long for you. I search for you. I'm weary in searching for you. There's nothing else, he says, in a primary land, there's nothing else that can satisfy me but laying up my hands in you. I'm satisfied beyond my imagination, but beyond the richest of foods. And that our hearts can be praised by, by glorifying that worship that was Christ for you. That takes place when we realize. Guidance and we've sought our heaven. So, to wrap things up, there's some steps that we can take to delight in God in your mailboxes. If you don't have a mailbox on the uh, Welcome Center, I put these because we don't have time to, to jump into every one of these scriptures today. But there's steps to delight in God that I hope that you will review and read and in the coming weeks of how we can begin to make our search for the one who is worth seeking after. The first thing we can do is to delight in doing his will, obeying. In Psalms chapter 40, verse 8, says, I delight to do your will. We need to be obedient, understanding that part of following God is doing what he wants. The next step to delighting in God is to have an honest heart. We can be honest with others. God is truth. Jesus said that. And so if we are going to delight in him and allow him to delight in us, then we also need to be people of truth. Next, we need to delight in prayer. It shouldn't be something that is just an effort, a routine. It should be something that we enjoy, it should be a forward to because we're talking to another God. We should delight in prayer. We should delight in being all about his word. If you don't know, Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible and it's all about the value of God's word. About meditating on it so that we can know who God is. That's part of delighting in God, that we delight in His Word, and we're all about learning from it, spending time in it, sharing with others. We need to delight in creation. Psalms 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. We need to regain a sense of wonder that we have when we were kids. When we look at the things around us and we were moved. When we watched the snowflake and we were dazzled. God is in the creation. We need to delight in what he has created. We need to delight in worship, whether it's Sunday morning, whether it's our personal time, whatever it is. Scripture tells us to sing and make music from our heart to the Lord. And that needs to be part of our delight in showing Him our love. That was a real quick walk, like I said, 
take some time, read those books, and meditate on what God is saying through those. But what I want you to leave with is that God wants you to delight in Him. He wants you to make it a priority. He wants you to make every effort to learn to know Him. And when you do, you will be satisfied. I don't know how many of you are familiar with A.W. Tozer. Probably my favorite book of all time is called The Pursuit of God. If you've never read it, I encourage you to do so. Something like this will also help you learn to know who God is because somebody else already spent a lot of time digging into it. But this is a quote from A.W. Tozer. The man who has God as his treasure has all things in life. It's a shorter way of putting Matthew 6.8. Heavenly Father, I don't feel like I've done you justice this morning, but I as we're talking about the lady and God and knowing who he is. God, my helpers won't come forward as we get ready. We're going to spend time reflecting upon our God and what he has done for us, one of the ways that he has revealed himself to us is through his son. And uh, the sacrifice that he made on our behalf. And so, um, Mike and Kay and Lauren and Naomi are going to bring the elements around um, as we did before. We have the elements um, in one cup with the bread on top and the cup underneath. So they're going to come in the rows in front of you, and we ask that you take what you need to your family. They'll come back up, and then we'll have some words together. If you want to drop the ropes in front of you so they can get in to, to reach you, that would be, be helpful. morning. This scripture um, was on my mind. I feel like I'm supposed to share this as part of our communion. It's from 2 Peter chapter 1 starting at verse 2. It says, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Did you catch it? The knowledge of God. Grace and peace become ours as we learn to know God, when we make Him a priority and He becomes our delight. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him, who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises, so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. I love that verse. Did you know we can participate in the divine nature? That's what we're celebrating. We don't believe, as some do, that these elements actually turn into Christ's actual body and or symbolizing that we were a part of him because of what he did. And we 
participate in the divine nature of having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that God has given more than enough and can appreciate it. We haven't used these before. There's a little liner on top that you peel back to reach the bread. There will be a second liner to peel back to get to the juice. If you pull out the bread, I want you to remember the place sacrifice of the cross allows this participation in this divine nature. Learning to know who God truly is. Learning we are Father, we give you thanks for this bread and what it represents. We thank that we, as new humans, can be like Adam and Eve originally, walking through the Help us to know who we really are. As we eat the bread, remember that we are joined with. shared before, it represents the new covenant that we now have with our Father. And we can use the blood today to represent that satisfaction that God brings when we do participate in this nature, when we do spend the time to get to know Him. There's a joy, there's a thrilling, there's an exaltation, and it's represented in Father, we thank you for the blood of Christ Jesus that we could have a new promise. Not death, not separation. Join to you a home awaiting, a feast to come. Father, we thank you. As we drink this this morning, we thank you for your goodness. Closing hymn this morning. Oh, for a thousand. Pounds.